Hello, and welcome to Atomic Radio Hour, and as you can tell by the music that preceded, this isn't a regular episode, this is a movie review. This is what Olive and myself like to call a burner, but before I get into an explanation, I'm your host, Vince. And I am your, um, all alone in the wasteland with no one else host, Olive. Yeah, you're just gonna fucking forget I exist? That's cool. That's fine. That's alright. That's cool. Eh. What's that? Eh. Oh, okay. <laughs> so this is what we like to call a burner episode. It's an episode that we just kind of have to record and put somewhere until we're ready to release it. Say something comes up, we have to take care of something. It's going to age like fine wine. Yeah, uh, we try to make it... We're not going to talk about something that's going on currently uh, just because of... This could come out in a month from now or a year from now. Um, Which makes it more fun. It's like yeah. you never know where, where in the time traveling scheme we are. See, I kind of wanted to like shave my face for this because I could shave my face. And then it'd be like week after week of beard, 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 no beard, and then beard again. Um, Ooh, I love that. But today we're going to be talking about a movie. A movie that I've wanted to see for a very, very long time. A movie that, when I bought a collection of Blu-rays, was one of the first movies I added to the cart because I knew I had to see it. A movie that has inspired the Fallout series and post-apocalyptia to, I mean, a level that it has never been before. Uh, the back of the Blu-ray, which I have the Blu-ray right here, uh, the back of the Blu-ray says the Doomsday Fable, the Doomsday Fable that launched the post-apocalyptic genre as we know it, and that's from Owen Gilberman of Entertainment Weekly. It doesn't say a year. We're reviewing a boy and his dog. Um, I have the Blu-ray. Like I said, you do. I watched it for free on the internet. Um, if you play, I don't know if Xbox does this, but if you play PlayStation games, they have a like a separate inside cover and this one has the original which I'm holding up to the camera uh the which it should be on screen somewhere uh has the original artwork on the inside but then like a PlayStation game so you can fucking display it it has the French artwork and it says Apocalypse 2024 uh before we get into it I'm just going to read the back of the DVD you cool with that do it yeah World War Four lasted five days. The Earth ravaged. Survivors struggled to find food, shelter, and companionship in the post-atomic wasteland. The celebrated sci-fi tale follows a young man, Vic, played by Don Johnson, and his sardonic and telepathic dog, Blood. Uh, as they wander in search of food and women, they find a suspiciously eager Quilla June, played by Suzanne Benton, who lures Vic into the surreal city deep beneath the Earth's surface. What's waiting for him there is certainly not what he wanted. Directed by L.Q. Jones and based on the award-winning novella by acclaimed author Harlan Ellison, A Boy and His Dog is a dark, often wickedly funny trip through a post-apocalyptic world where friendship between boy and his dog is the only currency that matters and the tagline of the movie is a rated r rather kinky tale of survival which i fucking did you like this movie i did like this movie i thought it was a really interesting take on apocalypse a very honest take on apocalypse why do you think um, why do you say that because in in a real apocalypse, I would assume that 
the only things that really matter are going to be food, water, weapons, and sex. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And those are all very highlighted in this movie with uh, what the main characters are going after. I've been saying it for so. I remember I had a conversation with your dad once about what happens if the nukes go off. <laughs> that was probably an interesting one. And I remember saying to him, oh no, oh no. I know what weapon, what currency will be. It'll be water, food, cigarettes, and ammo and sex. Those will be the five things. I really fucking love this movie. Instantly, I thought, it was a, I thought it was a delightful movie. Instantly, I was like, "This makes sense to me." Mm-hmm. Everything about this, like, and and it, I I don't know if you do this, but I do this with movies. I sit there and I go, "Well, what else is going on in this world?" Like, yeah, what, like what I else? Think about the. The greater scope of what's happening. Like, give me yes. some world building so I can think about it on my own. And it, it it answers the questions that you have, but, like, then slowly... It slowly, um, like, asks more questions and more things open up. And I think it's one of those movies that warrants multiple watches for multiple reasons. Um, before we go any further, I just want to say real quick, we will be spoiling the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so, there will be plot spoilers and discussion that will happen uh throughout the the rest of the video so free game at this point if you're still listening we're gonna spoil Mm -hmm. the shit out of the movie um and if you've heard of the movie and wanted to watch it like forever now i would recommend uh pausing us and going and watching it because it's a really really good movie um you can watch it on uh i i mean fuck jeff bezos but you can watch it on Amazon with ads so that you don't have to pay for it. I know oh, that, really? Yeah. Um, sometimes uh, I know well, that cost can be an issue for people. Um, at the time of recording, yeah. you can watch it for free on Amazon. Uh, it was on Netflix for a while. I don't know if it still is. I doubt it is. Uh, but when I Googled the movie itself, it did come up saying that it was on Netflix. So I, it could be on like a rotating basis. Um, mm. If a VPN company would want to sponsor us. I would tell you that if you can use a VPN to get Netflix from all other countries, so you'll never not have more stuff. Um, the intro to this movie doesn't fuck around. When it starts up, I love mm-hmm. how you hit play and just nukes start happening. I fucking yeah. love that. And apparently... Like, let's, that, let's not beat around the bush. Everything's fucked. Everything is destroyed. Everything is gone. And from what I understand, I was watching... I was listening to some of the commentary... And did you ever watch commentary when you were a kid? What do you mean by commentary? Like there was the DVD with the movie on it. And then there was like the director's commentary. Only for some movies like Shrek 2. Really? On DVD? Yes. Um, I was that with the Simpsons and I didn't realize I was doing it. I just wanted to watch The Simpsons again. I was like, oh, what's this director's commentary? And I watched it. And then I realized that other people weren't doing that. And then I just kept going, well, I like this. I like learning things about the show or the movie. So I continued to do it. So I I didn't watch all of the commentary because I watched it three times. And every time I loved it. And I just wanted to watch it one more time to have it fresh in my memory. But during Mm -hmm. the opening, 
because uh, I watched like the first five minutes of the commentary, the director, LQ Jones, said that he put the nukes and that it takes place in 2024 and all these other things in, in 82. The movie was re-released in 1982. It came out in 1975. Actually, as I'm saying this, let me kind of go to IMDb and just kind of read things quickly for you. It's directed by LQ Jones. The writing credits are for LQ Jones and Harlan uh, Ellison. There's actually, there's a there's a piece on the on the the blu-ray it's called in conversation with uh the director and the writer and uh they paid lq jones paid uh ellison a hundred to like 200 bucks for the rights to make the movie like he paid him nothing that's nothing yeah yeah and this was ellison's favorite story that he had ever written up until this point he says in the thing that he's written like like a total of like 1700 different scripts he had written for tv shows movies books on books on books and he said the only time he ever had some sort of writer's block was when he said i need you to write the film adaptation of the movie and he just didn't want to not do it justice and he froze after 13 pages dang so roughly if lq jones used those 13 pages only about the first 10 to 13 minutes of that movie are Ellison's script and the rest Jones had a right which I think is super interesting Don Johnson plays Vic Suzanne Benton plays Quilla June Quilla June Holmes uh, Jason Rhodes plays Lou uh, Caradoc the, the the guy who like runs the underground and he fucking kills it he does an amazing he performance he does so good the like uh, the people that run the underground are just yeah. haunting and yeah. terrible and they are super fallout so yeah, um, Tim Mc- M- M- Tim McIntyre does Blood, Alvy Moore does Dr. Moore, um, Harleen Winston is M- Mez Smith, and then there's a couple other people that I'm not going to get too, too into. Uh, actually, Jones shows up as an actor in one of the porno films. And the dog's name is Tiger. Huh. Yeah. The, wait, the dog actor is named Tiger? Yes. Um, it was shot in Bristow, California, um, and the dog was almost nominated for Best Supporting Actor. He was, like, on the list for the Oscars of for 75, this movie came out in 75, um, he was on the list of actors that were going to be nominated. He almost won a fucking, a dog, won an, almost won an Oscar, almost was nominated to win an Oscar for... <laughs> fucking this movie and that's just crazy to think about seeing as there's still a problem with race in the oscars and the media industry like they were gonna give an oscar to a dog before they would recognize people of color and that's just ridiculous well hold on what 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 year did the first black person get an oscar i don't know but regardless there's still uh, a really big race disparity there 1939 Yo, oh yeah, it was uh, Hattie McDaniel. I don't know who that is. I've uh, I've heard of her. Well, I didn't think you were going to go there with that. So in, no, in I 82- just think it's funny. I just think it's funny. Oh, no, yeah. Or like, it's just crazy. How do you feel about the, the telepathy and the ping noise for the, sni- for the sniffing? I... I like it. I think the telepathy is cool. I wanted to know more about why that happens. I love how they don't explain it. 
See, I wish that they explained it. I want to really? know. Well, they do why, and they don't. Yeah, like why can't any of the girls hear it? Um, I'm gonna. Can I give a little bit of a synopsis before we really dive in? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go. So, the, so the movie opens up with Vic and Blood, and instantly it becomes apparent that the number one commodity in this world is women, and that dogs are trained to sniff out women. Um, and it shows that like. I don't know what the Raiders are called in this movie. I think they're called Solos. Um, and the Solos... Or like The Solos are like the explorers that uh, stay on the above. Yeah. Uh, and the, the so, these other Solos that aren't Vic, they go into this... Everything is like caved inward. It's nothing but an, a flat desert, but there's like buildings underground that have shifted. It's such a such an honest, like you said before, an honest take at a look at what an apocalyptic scenario could be. I know. Something that would be I love the fact that they just explore the wasteland and dig little holes for each other yeah. to like live in, and then they break into the roofs of houses and like infest the underground that yeah. was like buried under nuclear hellfire. Like, I think that's so cool. They're, so so they find this one woman and she's all cut up and bleeding out and and or dead. You could see her her breathing in the movie, but I assume she's supposed to be dead. And Vic mm-hmm. gets out of the hole and he's like, "Man, they didn't have to cut her. She could have been used two or three more times." And I was like, and I, once he said that, I kind of understood the movie more. Really, where I was gonna be like, "Oh," because I always go into it uh, into movies thinking like the main character is meant to be like a hero and meant to be like uh, a someone to show like that they are a moral uh, compass but mm-hmm. the main character is c- kind of just as bad as everyone else like yeah. just the rest of the solos less, the rest of the raiders yeah it's a very um, even playing ground playing field yeah like he's not just like this morally superior person that like you would almost expect yeah uh and then I then they're they're searching for food and blood says to Vic and he calls him Albert mm-hmm. uh, because it pisses him off. But hey hey whoa whoa that's fucking you want to talk about the influence on the Fallout series? Uh, sure. That's the that's the character's name in Fallout One. One of the pre-made you can make his name is Albert and the name of the character in like a non-canon way for Fallout Three because of all the E three footage was Albert. Mm-hmm. And there's no doubt in my mind that they chose that. Bethesda chose that because of the original games. And, uh, oh, 100%. And it was originally chosen uh, when it was with Interplay because of this, this fucking movie. There's so many things about... So then it cuts to a scene of Vic and Blood watching over this like cart thing that's being like drugged by people like a chariot and they start digging into what I can only assume is like a shop. This movie was made for fucking no money. They made this movie. <laughs> yeah. You can eight. tell that the budget is, is small, yeah. but the character is big. Yeah. Like uh, Ellison said when, um, Jones would call him and say like, look, I want to do your book justice. I want to make sure this is right. I want to make sure we're doing every, everything up to the letter. He would say, no, 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 just, just do it. And, and, just keep me out of it. Keep me out of it. And then eventually, like, the day before they were going to send it to be, like, finalized, Ellison goes, I, I want to see the movie. And he's like, good, come here, see it. And he goes, and he was so afraid that he was going to hate it. And when the movie was over in the credits roll, he got up and he goes, that's my fucking book. He goes, that's it. Wow. Goes, but we have to change some things. And he's like, well, what do you want to change? And he's like, 
women are gonna start to rise up soon, and apparently Vic calls Quilajun Quilajun uh, like a like a cow and a slut and a, and a sow and like all these words, and he's like, we have to get rid of a majority of that. Um, that and the ending line to the movie, Ellison fucking hated. But we'll get to that when we talk about the ending. Um, Wait, I don't remember the ending line. Uh, well, I don't want to say it now. I want to okay because it'll well, spoil off. the rest of the movie. Yeah. Um, I mean, we're spoiling. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. So they he went to he was like so he said that we need he goes put it back put it back and let's edit it again we need to edit it one more time uh, mm. Ellison. He goes, we need to edit it one more time. He goes, and he's like, well, it's $1,500 to re-edit the movie. I don't have $1,500. And Ellison goes, I will get you the money because those lines cannot be in the movie. He, and he said, he goes, you put too much misogyny in the movie. And he's like, you know all what? right. And props for recognizing that early, dude. <laughs> and uh, he was like, I'm going to, he's like, I'll find a way. So he goes, give me all of the outtake film. And he goes, Okay. And Ellison went to the sci-fi con of, like, 71, 72, 3, 4. Because it took five years to shoot the movie. Like, it started in mm-hmm. 69, 70-something. And um, and then it didn't come out till 75. He took all of these little clippings of, of film. Like, you, like, negatives, I guess. And mm-hmm. he showed the movie at the convention in its own in the state it was in then and he goes i need to finish the movie we're still making it and you can help us do that this is like the first fucking gofundme yeah he pulled out a like a lunch bag like a brown paper bag of snippets and he goes you can buy these for anywhere from i think he said like a dollar to five dollars each and it took like three hours to show the movie because they could show 20 minutes of the movie. The projector would break down. They'd have to fix it. He'd go on stage and tell a story, show the next 20 minutes. It's a 90 minute film. Yeah. And uh, he, he was like, he's like, buy these. And I promise you sometime in the future, they will be worth money. They will be, they will be something that you like, you'll be proud to own. It became a fucking huge movie, a massive mm-hmm. movie. And there's just negatives floating around from this movie. But That's so get, freaking cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they they gave... They, they got the movie fixed up and it became this classic. But what I'm getting at is this... That that dude with, with the... Who has all the people on like that rickshaw thing, that like carriage. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. The... um Oh, he's horrible. He's like an, a, a raider boss. Yeah. His name's Fellini. Oh, really? I only found that out because I was on IMDb before I just checked it. Uh, and he steals from him, and then they show these feet, and these people start talking. And I didn't like put two and two together until my second time watching it that those are the people from the from the Down Under, uh, which I have to say is a fucking mm. beautiful way to talk about the vaults or whatever they are. The, the vaults the right under. there, like this is where the idea of vaults most likely came from. Yeah, obviously. Like, like, they have an entire, like, underground society. Yeah. That's like a, an, an old American town. Yeah. And, and, uh... It kind of reminds me of Tranquility Lane, almost. Yes. Um, it kind of reminded me of a mixture between Dishonored, uh, Bioshock 3, and We Happy Few. Hmm. And I never played We Happy Few, so maybe I'm Nor thinking of a I. different game. 
but uh, I'll explain why when we start talking about that. But it shows Vic steals the food from from um, Fellini and his men, and he runs off, and him and Blood get to eat, and they're hanging out, and he's like, "Hey, we're loaded. Why don't we go to the turf?" And let me tell you, if there's any part of this movie I want to visit, it's the turf. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, let me see what I have in my notes. The turf, I have it written down that the turf is like a scrappy, shady sands or a junk town. It's it's very much, you can see movies, get haircuts, take a bath, and there's popcorn. And there's a scene in the beginning of it where you have to check your weapons in. And that yeah. reminded me of Junktown because when you go to Junktown with Fallout 1, it's like, put your weapon away or we'll kill you. And if you enter the town without putting your weapon away, I'm like 98% sure they kill you. Um, and he throws him a can of sardines and he goes, what about for the dog? And he throws him a can. He goes, it's peaches. And he goes, well, how the hell am I supposed to know? And he goes, you can read. You can read, can't you? don't you? Yeah. And he goes, peaches for the dog. And it's a can of beets. Like, so yeah. what I also <laughs> and love. the dog's like. He can spare a couple pounds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I wasn't exactly sure on the lore of this movie, so I went on Wikipedia before, and I looked it up, and it says, In the novella and the film, uh, they have the same the same alternative timeline setting, di- diverging with the failed assassination of President John F. Kennedy. There's a point where he's naming off all the presidents, and he Kennedy, gets to Kennedy, Kennedy, and he says, Kennedy, Kennedy, Kennedy. Kennedy. And then it kind of just trails off. Um, instead of instead of concentrating on the space race, technology advances in robotics. Okay, uh, in robotics, animal intelligence and telepathy take place. A more a more heated Cold War takes place, culminating in the conventional World War III. A truce is signed, lasting another 25 years through the mounting tensions leading up to World War IV in 2007. This time involving... Ooh, that's a cursed year. <laughs> involving <laughs> massive nuclear warfare and only lasting five days. Civilization is almost entirely obliterated, leaving the surface of the Earth reduced to a desolate and irradiated wasteland. Years later, in 2024, foragers who remain above ground must fight for the remaining resources. Most survivors of the former United States are male, as women were usually in the bombed cities, while many men were out fighting the war. In the novella, Mm. nuclear fallout has created horrific mutations, such as feared burnip screamer burnip screamers known for their noise and deadliness in the film they only appear in one scene though they are only heard yeah i like that they left that ambiguous yes um so i just wanted to point that out because i had a hard time kind of following it because blood says it but i kind of wanted to make sure i had the exact dates right so they show you the turf and they're watching porn they're very casually watching porn and it kind of brought me this realization that I guess, like, back in the 70s, like, you just watched porn. Yeah. Like, you didn't use it. You just, like, watched it. You were just like, hmm, there's, there's a porno on a 10, Janice. Would you, would you like to watch? Like, I... Uh, it's just... Right now, we have these magical devices that connect us to the internet, where yeah. there's infinite amounts of anything you want. Yeah. I actually heard but a But back in recently. the day, you had to, like get a magazine or something yeah, they had porno theaters yeah do you know about deep throat 
No, I don't really. The only way the woman could climax was her G-spot was in her throat. It's like hmm. the porno movie to start porno movies. Really? Yeah, like it's it was so big that they were showing it like in Manhattan, which I mean I, I know Manhattan, like, Times Square was a different place in the 70s, but... Yeah, yeah. Um, Before it got, like, cleaned up. Yeah. Uh, they showed it there, and it was, like, celebrities went to see it. I think there's even an interview with Groucho Marx I was watching once where he's, he said that he went to go... It was, like, an event. It was, like, Star Wars. Like, you went to go see it. Like, um... Mm. I don't know if it holds up. <laughs> I've never seen it. Um, <laughs> but... When they're in the hub, Blood's like, oh, there's a woman here. And Vic loses his mind. He goes on this chase. And eventually, he convinces Blood to show him. And they go to this school, this gymnasium. And this gymnasium, to me, felt so much like Fallout 3. Oh, and, my goodness. Like right? Springvale. Like, right? Like, it fucking felt real. Like, I even yeah. had in my notes. I'm not even, like, using my notes over here. Um... I even have here, ha <laughs> um, where the fuck is it? Oh, there's something I wanted to talk about in my notes that I didn't bring up. There's a prostitution pit in the turf that I thought was really funny. Yeah. And it's, it's for a quick second. There's like a line of dudes and this woman and he like hands her some boots and she's like, uh-huh. And like, does that like head motion come with me? And he's like, okay. And you can see him like undoing his belt and they're just going to mm. watch. Like, yeah. <laughs> Um, like it's just it's such a different world. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but when they first get to the school, Vic even says, "Oh, this is where the screamers hang out." And he's like, "I don't know if we should go in there." And Blood's like, "The only person in the gym right now is Quilla June, and that's it. And if you want it, go get it." But when he goes mm-hmm. in there, that whole set, he like watches her get dressed. Yeah. And then he like attacks her, and he's like, he puts a gun on her, and he's like take that shit off and if you scream I'll shoot your leg off and then you'll get it and you won't have a leg and like that's what I really like about this movie is that it's not holding back there's gonna be an immense amount of this in any apocalyptic situation yeah it's going to it's going to be like morally awful yeah, and Which I'm is not how saying, it is. And yeah. like, I, I hate when I'm like, oh, I get excited for the apocalypse movies for the rape scene because I, I don't. I yeah. get excited that I'm they're they're showing it in a way that makes sense. Like, like they're showing us like an honest account, what we could assume is an honest account. Yeah, like that scene in the Book of Eli when they corner me Kunes and the dude starts taking off his belt. I'm like, that would happen. Like, that's something that I could see happening. That is, an, uh, that would be a common occurrence in this world. Like. I like that they show that. I like that they show that that Blood and Vic are incredibly hungry and everything is running off of food. Yeah. Um, but eventually Blood is like, Vic, there are 23 dudes outside that want to come in here and you can get out of this if you give the girl to the guys. And, and I have written down here exactly, Vic, quote, needs pussy so badly he wants to fight off 23 separate dudes instead of giving giving them up. But, like, so he's about to fight these 23 dudes, but what I think is really, really interesting, and I really, really appreciated this, is that before the, the guys come in, Vic's got the gun on her, and he goes, what's your name? And he she goes, what's your name? And he goes, Vic? And I'm like, oh, dude, you're an idiot. You could have said literally anything else. And and he's like, what's, what's your name? 
Because, like, that's what I love about this. And Ellison said, he goes, when I wrote the book, Vic, he goes, was very much every stupid part of me that he's too dumb to understand anything that's going on. And Blood was very much him in the sense that he's too smart for his own good. Mm-hmm. And, like, he's like, my name's Vic. What's yours? And he, she's like, Quillajune Holmes. And he's like, that's a weird fucking name. And she's like, my parent, where I have it written down. She goes, my parents from Oklahoma said it was a common name before the war. And, like, right there, I was like, that is the most fucking Fallout dialogue ever. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. <laughs> and, uh, and then I was thinking, oh, where does this even take place? Because everything is just glass. Like, everything is just sand. Like, yeah. is this, how far are we from Oklahoma? Are we in Arkansas? Are we in Texas? Are we in California? Are we in the Mojave? Are we... Where are we? Like, what's like? And it yeah, just, like I, I don't know. So, so, so this whole fight breaks out, and this fucking fight is awesome. This fight between all these raiders, all these goon ass men, and, uh, and like fucking the dog jumps on a dude, blood jumps on a dude, and rips his fucking <laughs> neck out, and I, then he, he bit the neck. He bit the fucking neck, and then like. And then, like, he gets into a dog fight with another dog. Yeah, I was just gonna bring that up. There's a point where there's like a lull in the fight, and Vic kind of hides, and he's like, and Blood's like, "You want the good news or the bad news?" And he's like, "Give me the bad." He goes, "They found another entrance, and they came in that way, and we've lost the element of surprise." I do not remember what the good news was. Yeah, I don't them, either. One of them is like, "What about a screamer? Do you think if we had a screamer, it could be a distraction?" And he's like, uh, I'll fucking try. And then Vic just starts making screamer noises. <laughs> and it works. And they're like, the fuck is it going does. on? Yeah, they, and they, they all run the fuck away. Yeah, and he fucking starts taking shots at these dudes. And fucking Blood drags, like, an M4 to Quillagene. I don't know why I keep want to call her Quillagene. Quillagene. Your name's Quillagene. He takes the... He takes a fucking gun to her, and she's, like, hiding away in, like, this little cubby hole, and then... And just taking pot shots at the the people. Yeah, she saves Vic's li- life, like, twice. Um, mm-hmm. But then the fucking dogfight, I was watching it going, this would never happen today. This would... Like, this yeah. movie already would never be made. That no scene way. alone would never happen. Like, I'm not no fucking filmmaker or anything, but if I could remake any movie, it's this one. Like, this is a movie that I'd love to see redone, but do it from no CG, no CG whatsoever, and have it where it's, um, show screamers, because I'll get into a little bit of that later, show screamers, just because I think you could give Lloyd Kaufman from Troma, who did, uh, the Toxic Avenger, I don't, I doubt, I don't think they're making Toxic Avenger movies anymore, but you can take some of the practical effects, or at least the knowledge from that, and apply Mm -hmm. it to what the screamers could look like, because Vic does give a description of what they look like in the movie. Um, Yeah. Like, I would love to see this movie kind of updated, but, like, not. And I think it'd be really interesting to put a movie like this in theaters and be like, in the year. Cause, because one of the promotional things, on the Blu-ray, there's a bunch of radio spots. And I wish I could put them in here, but I, I just can't for copyright reasons. One of the yeah. radio spots is like, in the year of 2024, a future most of you will see. And I was listening to that going, that's a fucking, that's a year away. That's four years away. Mm-hmm. Like, that's that's a fucking like a college it's, amount of time. It's a real year for us. And it was fucking fiction to them in 75. I know, I know. They do show a quick, once all of the, the 
solos that were attacking Vic and Blood and uh, Quill June when when they're out when they all leave or they're dead. Uh, an actual screamer shows up and Vic's or Blood's like, okay, the real thing's here, and. They even try to scare it off by taking off her dress, which is green, and like tying a mop or something else to it, and then with a broomstick kind of shoving it. Like in. waving it around, yeah. Yeah, and um, then they show up and they hide in this boiler room. And then Quilla June just starts having sex with Vic, and Vic's not saying no. Yeah, and she's just like, I'm. you saved me from 23 fuckers. I'm going to bone down now. Yeah, I was watching it going like, I hate when... The first time I went, I fucking hate when movies do this. I was like, oh, the man and the woman are alone. It's the fucking time. I can't stand that shit. And that's one thing that fucking... Um, I Am Legend does really well. Is they're together, and they're not like... It's sexual time. It just doesn't happen it's just yeah it's they like value their survival over like anything yeah but then it becomes more apparent later on blood does not like quilla june and yeah i love when he like snaps at her with like teeth exposed yeah 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 he's like fuck you yeah and she's like i don't think he likes me very much uh, and he's like, no, nah, he likes you. He told me himself and that's the scene when they're in the boiler room he's like i have to go to the bathroom vic and he's like, all right, go, go, go. And they have sex like four times. And yeah. then he's like, Vic, get out here now. But before that, she's like, how can you talk to him? And he's like, I don't I don't know. I just have this feeling. He said the two of us just kind of click. There's a point in the beginning of the movie where he says that he's a police dog. Yeah. So that makes me think, okay, it's, 24, it's 2024. The war happens in 2007, right? Mm-hmm. That's... 14 that's 15 years 16 years from what from 2007 2017 would be 10 years yeah so like 16 years ish yeah I, so like, I, don't, I can't do math. There's no way that dog is 16 years old. Like, he says he's an older dog in the movie, but there's no way he's 16 years old. That dog, like, dogs don't yeah, live Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So I was like, are you a police... Like, what does that mean, you're a police dog? Were you a police dog for, like, a military... Like, not a military, but, like, a... Like I a, think the dog's a robot, personally. Really? I think the dog's a synth. Yeah. Why? And that's the reason that he can talk to people. He's got but like he, a brain chip or something. But he can only talk to Vic. Yeah, well, he can talk to people that he chooses, I guess. I don't know. I, I thought like from the well, beginning Vic that the dog back was... talks telepathically. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I'm trying, I'm struggling to understand the, the connection that they have to allow them to talk. Really? Mm-hmm. That was your, that was the thing that bothered you the most. Yeah, because I wanted to know if what kind of technology it is or what kind of, like, if it's a virus or something. I just want to know. Because there's well, a point I where, know. where she asks, she's like, well, how do you... He's like, I don't know. We just kind of get each other. And she's like, is it like love? And he's like, I guess. <laughs> and then, like, that's it. Like, I like how it's kind of kept as weird, like... It just happens because movie. And I think that's why it's so... That's why I believed it. That's why I didn't question it, because it's because movie. And it's not just, like, because movie, because we need... That's it. I've talked about this before. I hate when a movie just goes, because movie, and then something happens. But when it establishes it early on, and that's because movie. Mm-hmm. 
You know what I mean? Oh, you could talk to the dog because it's a movie. Exactly, because that's the setting of the movie. But if, like, halfway through the movie, all of a sudden, Blood starts talking to Quilla June, and it's like, well, I thought you couldn't talk to her. Like, did you just do this because it was convenient for the story? Like, mm. the, the movie starts with, I can talk to this dog. You know what I mean? Like, it's just this instant, like that's, here you go. that's just the fact. Yeah, like, that's why I didn't question it. Because it was like, oh, okay, it's a movie, it's fantasy, it's not real. When he's all like, she's not good, she, she's bad news, get rid of her. I love the fight that they have with each other. And that even Blood calls him a putz. And he's like, what's a putz? And he's like, it's something bad, isn't it? And he just like kind of walks away. And then she smacks <laughs> him with a flashlight. And then it it like cuts to, I guess he gets knocked out. It cuts to... Uh, it's when they're in the boiler room. Yeah, yeah. It cuts to him and Blood. And he's like, I told you she was a piece of shit. And then he finds this card. And when he finds this card, he's like, this must be a key to get to the, to the, to the down under. And he's like, smell it. And he's like, you're not, you, we can't go after her. He's like, we have to. And he's like, why? And it's never said why. And part of me thought like, oh, it's because he genuinely thought when she said, I love you, that she meant it. Mm -hmm. And the other part of it is like a pride thing. I thought, yeah, like, I'm not gonna let this woman get one over on me. So he like convinces convinces her, uh, uh, himself that he's going after her. So him and Blood run to, the, to this vault, which, like, super convenient that they found it instantly, but whatever. It's a movie. Yeah. It's it's one of those, like, it's it's open land. There's nothing there. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's just... You would see it. And and in that scene when they're fighting, they talk about what, um, what Vic saw a screamer, and it was... I have it written down. It was glowing like a fungus oozing and with eyelashes. And there's a scene when, when she says that she was trying to get Vic down to the to the down under where she's like, oh, well, we can have a place to ourselves and a house and Blood can have his own room when he visits. And he's like, the fuck do you mean Blood can have his own room when he visits? She's like, he's like, no, we're living up here. Um, but they decide, okay, we have to go, we have to go down there. And like... I love I love when he puts the key card in the door to open the vault up. Like I don't know I don't know any other term to call it. Yeah. Um, but I love I love that like the just the way the door opens and like he goes in this room and there's a shot of the dog of blood looking at the door and it's a great shot. It's it's a, like a still shot of just that. Mm -hmm. And um just just to sit there and look at at like he's about to go into this new world and the labyrinth of tubes and tunnels that he goes, he goes through to get down there. And when he finally gets there, you find out it's called Topeka. So like, are we in Kansas? They refer to it as the state of Topeka. Yeah. So like, where the fuck are we? Um, really? Mm -hmm. Um, I love that. It's always dark. Yeah. I like that too. That like, there's not enough, uh, artificial light to make it seem like there's daytime. Unless you're inside. Like, there's lighting yeah. inside and it would seem like it's real, but, like, they show the scenes where they're in the park and the park is just black. It's just black, yeah. And there's a scene where she, where Mez says that it's it's 1140-something in the morning and it's pitch black out. Mm-hmm. Um, why do you think it was so noisy when they got down, when he got down there? Um... I don't know. I think that 
the like under the the down under um i just think the way that it is run was very whimsical almost Mm -hmm. like the the committee that ran it Mm -hmm. kind of just did whatever they wanted um and stuck it behind like a justification of well we're the committee so they could run a kangaroo court and just murder whoever made them uncomfortable as long as it meant that they could keep power oh absolutely um so i think that's why it was so so wacky is because that was just the kind of society that they built and it was around basically the three of them mm-hmm. well uh, as there, the the committee there's a scene when they're showing the committee and like the woman won um well oh, hold on to answer the question i asked before why i think it was so noisy and i think what was so smart is that Vic is going through a sensory overload of what the old world is kind of like, and mm-hmm. he's experiencing it for the first time. So there's this marching band playing the Washington Post March, and there's a quartet going on, and there's like a family dinner. And, and it's like just meant picnic. to be overwhelming. It's it's meant to be like, I remember watching going, what the fuck is, like, this is why I had to watch it a second time, because I'm going, what the fuck is happening? I, I felt very similarly. Like, and, and then, like, he's talking to the dog, and I love the scene, because what they do with it later, he's talking to the dog, and he goes, hey, boy, can you hear me? And, like, or says something to him, and then, like, it, it doesn't, ha- and nothing happens, and he sees that the dog's on a leash, and he's like, this shouldn't be, fuck that, and, like, undoes the leash, and they grab yeah. the dog, and it shows, like, the courtroom, and there's a woman who, like, won Miss Topeka, Miss Topeka's peaches, all canned peaches, be them preserved or or fresh will bear her image for the next for the the rest of the year the year in our lord one ought three so like it's 2024 but now all of a sudden it's year 103 where did those fucking 80 something years come from i don't know they maybe it was a project that was going on like already. going on already like they had made this underground civilization in uh in anticipation for the new war yeah and then just started living in their crazy society early on that's what i was kind of thinking as well because i thought of it maybe as like the enclave in a sense um which i'm not saying everything has to be a fallout reference but i'm saying like analogous to that you know what i mean mm-hmm. yeah um, yeah and there's a part where where uh, I can't think of how to say his name. The guy who the guy who kills it. The guy who's like the one of the, like the third best performance, of the second best performance in the movie with the cane. Who Lou something who like runs the place. Oh, I forget his name. Yeah. Um, he says he's like we have precedent from the elder uh, council, the elder council members. So like, how long is this going on for? Again, uh, the the what did you how did you think about the the, the face paint? I thought it was so spooky. How I loved cool it. Is the face paint. There is yeah. Uh, they. I was watching something. It's just Ellison. another thing that made it so bizarre. Yeah, and that's where I got kind of um, dishonored. And we happy few. If I remember, we happy few. They wear like masks like that, and that whole kind of vibey thing of it reminds me a little bit of um, of um, Columbia from Bioshock Three. Even though I've never played it, uh, that like starting area that I've seen like trailers of and shit that reminds me of. Mm-hmm. But they ask Allison why the face paint. He's like, why, why, why do they look like clowns? Like they got little, like little um, lips that kind of twirl up. And he goes, yeah. when I was writing it, I thought if it, if I if it took place in the 1700s, they'd all have that stupid ruffled collar around their neck. 
mm-hmm. because it's just the style, it's just the fashion, and fashion evolves with time. And at that point, and in because time, they were the isolated, thing. their fashion diverted from conventional fashion. Yeah, and even though it's very seventies with the way they're dressed, like that's a little. You know what I mean? Like a little fucking like twist and it's like it keeps you interested and it puts it mm-hmm. in like this weird uncanny off-putting thing and it's really fucking interesting to watch. So when they're down there, the the court session that we're talking about, they say it's June 23, 1-03 uh, in the year of our Lord and the down under, which I was kind of getting at before. And then they bring up a, a older couple and they, they say they're getting, they're on trial for lack of respect, wrong attitude and failure to respect authority. And they were already given three lectures. And he said, it's, oh, it's, it's obvious. Put them to the farm. And mm-hmm. he goes... What happened Send them to the farm? Yeah, and I'm like, what do you mean the fucking farm? And he goes, what happened with the last the last group we sent to the farm? And they like give a name, and they're like, uh, they were killed by or no, they were they were dealt with with a accident with farming equipment, or was it cancer? No, no, it was the farm farming equipment. And he looks at this old couple. He goes, okay, well, make this one heart attacks. <laughs> like he's just picking yeah. how these people are gonna fucking die. Die on paper. Like, not even, I don't even know if it's even that. If it's like, you're, I took it as you're put in a room and it, ha- like, the giver. Remember the giver? Where yeah. Like they were euthanizing babies? Like, spoiler alert if you're in the fucking eighth grade, sorry. Um, like, I thought it was that. Like, I thought it was like they're putting them in a room and they're giving them some sort of a, an inoculation or some sort of a scenario where it happens because everything else was so literal. Yeah, yeah. So I thought, like, oh, you're put in a room, you have a heart attack, and then you're dead. And they're like, and that's it. They're sentenced. It's over. Like that's it. Um. No, I mean, I think the the way that um, that Vic gets sent to, or he gets like sentenced to the farm, and uh, the other people that he's with that are like trying to go against yeah. the committee. Um, and when you figure out that the farm is just. The Tattletale Strangler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, hold on. Just, yeah, he might, yeah, he, th- that character, before you give it away, that character might be my favorite character. Um, really? Yeah. I mean, I get. I didn't even think of... of, of my, his name's Michael. I didn't even think of Michael being the one who does it. But I genuinely just thought of it as like... Uh, I, I never... I just thought, like, very literally, you got a shot, you're dead. Like, I didn't think of it as like, oh, Michael kills you. But... Um, before Vic even shows up in the council, they have the dog that he talks to, and he can't speak to Vic or anybody on the council. And they're like, "What's wrong? what did he say to you, boy? You can tell us. And then when they can't get answers at him, they go, send him to the farm immediately. And he just walks off with Michael. I know! Just kill a dog. I was just like, what the fuck are you doing? Um, and, and then when they have Vic there, there's a scene where... Um, Lou, I can't think of his fucking last name. Not Caddick, but but the guy in charge kind of like walks off and mm-hmm. says, like, "We brought you here for something very very important." And he's like, "Yeah." And Quilla June fucking lured me down here. She's a fucking scumbag. And he's like, "Watch your <laughs> mouth." And if you watch him in like the background, it was Lou Craddock. Craddock, yes. Yeah. He's doing this, and if you're watching, you can see he's doing this like chin, uh, hand under the chin thing, which always, in to me in Italian, was like, "Go fuck yourself." Um, and then he starts like grabbing his nuts, and that's a very <laughs> fucking. I was like, "Wow, this is like for the time insane that they're posting this." Yeah. Uh, 
or that they're that they're using this and then he's like but we need you because we're running out of of our men can no longer breed with our women we need someone new which again fucking genius idea yeah um, here's these people even after 20 years and that's like a thing that was said with the fallout games is like yeah they can fit thousands of people down there but how long before incest becomes a thing and i believe that's brought up in the lore of the gene pool gets stagnant yeah yeah so he's like he's like uh do i have it here no i don't he goes you want me to knock up your broads he goes line them up uh (laughs) and then it like cuts to this express wedding thing yeah and he's like hooked up to a semen collector <laughs> yeah they're 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 dr- just they're draining him dry him dry yeah they're, mil- like, they're milking him like and like this express wedding of like uh everything about the state of topeka uh and you're married here's your little vial of semen and be on your way yep and uh go grab a turkey baster or something what's that Go grab a little turkey baster thing. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. But, like, also, this takes place July 4th of 103 in the Down Under. So he's been there since June 23rd. Yeah. So he's been there for, there for, like, like two a week. Weeks? More, yeah. You know what I mean? Or he... um, so then, like, you, you see these people getting married off, and then Quilla June shows up, and she's got flowers, and she's like, all right, I'm here now, and she's ready to get married, and... They she beats these two dudes over the head with like a crowbar and sets him free and she's like I'm so sorry this and that and he's like shut up where's my gun no it wasn't a crowbar it was um it was a bouquet of flowers and they just both fucking drop no no there's metal hidden in it oh is there I yeah, was so because, fucking confused yeah because he grabs the metal from her gets some like get some supplies from it and then runs out and I love that scene where they're in the hallway and he's just beating the shit out of people. And he's like, get the fuck out of the way. And, like, he gets away from Michael, and he's beating everybody. And Michael's this, like, six foot five, 355 pound, just behemoth of a human in overalls and yeah, a final shirt. Yeah, he is massive. And he's always smiling. He's all, And he, like, washes Vic when he gets down there. And, and, like, there's a scene where Vic's like, I need to get back into the dirt to feel clean. Yeah, I <laughs> thought that was really fun. Yeah. Um, but he, he's, he's running through there and he gets his guns back and Quilla June's friends like help her. And then they set up like this mock trial thing in the middle of a field. And they all get sentenced to the farm. Yeah. And she's like, all the friends got, and and even the one kid gets sentenced to the farm and he goes, ah, what a shame. This is the first time the kid ever did anything. And then he's like, (laughs) Quilla June, you're out. And uh, then you see Michael fucking strangling these, these people. This is the kind of cancel culture we need. <laughs> he's, he's choking these people out and then, like, breaking their necks. And then as soon as the, the marching band comes by and they're playing the, the post-Washington March anthem or whatever it's called, um, mm-hmm. they just run along. They just go, okay, cool. Yeah. And then Michael's like chasing after him like Frankenstein's monster and he just starts taking shots and he's just fucking eating these shots. Like, yeah. And he's, he's eating, taking it and taking it and taking it. I'm going, what the fuck is even going on? And then he, he And then like an him. arm panel flies off. Yeah. And then like he shoots him again. He falls over and explodes. And Cord, what's his name? Cordick? Uh, Craddock. Craddock? Craddock goes, let's get another Michael out of, uh, 
out of storage. storage. But let's see if we can do something about that smile. And like before that, there's a, these announcements. There's announce when he first gets to the Down Under. There's announcements. The post Washington March Band. The announcements that go off for, like the entire time they're in the underground. Yeah, like they were given is, a recipe on how to cook bacon and make a sauce. I, I know, and just like it's playing over what's going on, and I was like. Wow, that's really interesting. What the that, fucking like, barbershop that choice. That's another thing that I have written down that I don't think I brought up. There was so much overlapping dialogue in this. Mm-hmm. And it's never, like, that's, like, not a thing that you ever see in movies. Ever. Yeah, that's something you never see. Of this, this this muddy mixture of just, and it even happens early on. Like, you just, there's people yelling. Oh, yeah. And um, I like how it's, like, not mixed the best. And I like how the soundtrack is there. And the only time the well, soundtrack Well, it's, it's was, an old movie. No, I know, I know, but I'm not, like... Um, yeah, yeah. I like how the only time they ever use music is Nick is leaving blood. And it's like, oh, well, yeah. I didn't like that, because it was like, it was kind of like, hey, remember, feel bad, dog, dog, dog in a movie, dog in a movie. But mm-hmm. they they kill this Michael robot, and they run out, and he gets outside, and there's another shot right there where he lays on his stomach with the rifle pointed at the door, and there's just a, a static shot of the door. And the way it's the lighting of it is awesome. It is. It's and, really fucking cool. And he's trying to call out for, for blood. And he's like, he went over the hill. And blood believes in this idea of going over the hill. And he's like, I get it. They grow food right out of the ground. He's like, yeah, idiot. It's called fucking farming. Like, blood knows all of this information about what the world was before. And he truly, truly loves Vic. And he's trying to explain to Vic, like, this is what... Like, you need to know these things. Like, he taught him how to read, presumably. Yeah. he knew how to read peaches. And, and he was, like, teaching him, like, history and everything. He knew about the three terms of Kennedy. <laughs> like, he, so, so, he's like, we gotta get over the hill. He goes, that's where Vic would have left. He goes, I was down there too long. And he, I'm sorry, that's where blood would be. I was down there too long. And he's calling out, and all of a sudden, you can hear a faint, Vic? And he goes, blood? And he runs around the back. And he's like... He's all bloody. He goes, when was the last time you ate blood? And he goes, I think I had a gecko or a lizard or something a day ago. Maybe two days ago? And he's like, I don't remember. And then she's like, we we have to leave him. And he's like, we can't leave him. And he's like, but we have to. He's he's too weak. And then he's like, oh, and this part I love too. He's like, we got to get you in town so we can get you some medicine. And he goes, Fellini took over the whole town. He goes, everything yeah, in this area... the entirety like, of the town got taken over. So the turf is now under the reign of Fellini. This, this, uh... What's the word I'm looking at? This, this, this flamboyant fucking raider with, like, a cheap, yeah. uh, tri-corner hat. And he's like, well, we gotta get over the hill then. He's like, I'm just so hungry. And she's like, we need to go and be safe. And then the screen goes black, and... Vic and Blood talk about eating something, and then they kind of walk off into the distance. And you, do you yeah, know like what, that's just it. Do you know what the last last line of the um, the movie is? Um, I remember it being impactful, but I don't remember what it is. But I have a how I think the movie ended. Okay, what do you think happened? I think they ate her. Yeah, no, they absolutely did. Um, yeah, they definitely ate her. No, uh, that is that is exactly it because uh, I didn't get that the first time, and I was watching the commentary, not the commentary, but the discussion, and I thought it was when I heard him say it. I thought it was that 
in the underground or the the down under they were cannibals and i thought that's what the farm meant. i thought the farm had a double meaning like oh we had to send the dog to a farm upstate and we had to send them to a farm because they were cutting them up and eating them so that's what i thought it was at first that the underground was was cannibalistic then when i watched it again he goes he goes you know blood she said she loved me and he goes yeah but I can't say that she had very good choice in men, and at the very least, or no, let me let me find it. Hold on. He goes. He goes. You know, she said she loved me, and Blood goes. Well, I'd say she had marvelous judgment, Albert, but not particularly good taste. <laughs> and Ellison hated that line. Really? He the original last line of the book is something like she said she loved me, like along those lines. And he goes, well, do you know what love is? And he goes, yeah, I do. He goes, a boy loves his dog. And that's how the book ends. Aww. And he liked that's that so better. That's so cute. He thought it was barbaric. He thought it would, like, took... He goes, I love the movie. I love it as it is. He goes, though, I can't stand that last line. And he fought with him and fought with him and fought with him. And he said he... And uh, L.Q. Jones just said, he goes, I didn't, I didn't know how else to end it. I didn't know how else to get a point across, uh, the point across that they ate them. Um, yeah, and I didn't get it the first time I watched it, but this is—I did immediately. I was like, "Oh, they ate that bitch." Yeah, and that's another thing that would absolutely be happening. People would be eating people. Um, people are food. Yeah, believe it or not. Originally, Ellison told Jones, "You are not allowed to change one period, not one comma of the way I wrote this book." And a lot of the dialogue in the book apparently is in the movie. From what I understand. That's awesome. I love when they are true to the source material like that. Yeah. I know that that really tickles your your fancy. Yes, I'm a big fan of source material. Um, I love this movie. This might be my favorite apocalypse movie. I thought it was an excellent... I, I... I watched this and I was just like, yeah, yeah, no, this is doing everything. Like, and I could sit here and make all of the, um... I could make all the comparisons to every Fallout game and where this is and that is and how I saw this and that. And I, I don't feel like I need to be completely honest with you. No, I it's, think, it, it speaks for itself. It really does. This is a movie that makes me want to read a book. <laughs> you know what? You should get the book and read it. I am. I'm actually going to uh, meet up with a friend on Wednesday. And there's a used bookstore not far. And I'm going in there and I'm saying if you have... Because it's, it's a novella, so it's like short stories. So I don't know if it's yeah. like... Because they there was a there was a I'm going to do some trivia in a minute, but there was a sequel to this called Egg Sucker that Ooh, didn't really? really work out, and I don't know what it was going to be about because I think Vic keeps using that as an insult, like you suck eggs, which is mm. a very seventies thing to say. Yeah, yeah. Um, but also there was a a, a movie planned called a girl and and her dog or a girl and his dog maybe um to play on like vic and he might have had a daughter and like a dog i don't know um and it it didn't happen because the dog who played blood died shortly after the movie finally came out so remember when i said during the i am legend review oh it's sad that the dog dies well he's dead in real life this movie came out in 75 this dog has been dead for 40 plus years (laughs) yeah (laughs) um uh yeah, I love this movie. I think this is. I think I think I like this more than Book of Eli because I like how slow Book of Eli is, but I also like how fast this is. 
Yeah, I like that, like, this kid just, like, gets into trouble and just the ball keeps rolling. I like, the Book of Eli is, like, a march where you yes. get a little bit at a time, and it's a really nice pace. But this one, it's an accelerating pace, and it just keeps getting crazier, and I think that they're both really good movies. I really liked this movie, though. Yeah, me too. Even though, that, even though that, like, it shows you kind of the, like, terrible parts of humanity, it really does a good job at showing what I think is an honest apocalypse. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. This is, it's, I mean, it says on the on the Blu-ray... It says a doomsday fable that launched the post-apocalyptic genre as we know it. Like, it's just... I'm going to get into some trivia. It's it's just... It's a phenomenal film. And it's a film that I think you... There's a story that they tell during the conversation that um, it came out and it didn't do great. And it kind of became this slow-rolling cult hit over time. And... Um, they would always play it as a double feature, so they would play like at drive-ins, and I should have, I could have saw this at the drive-in, and I never did. Ah, uh, you should have. I, know. I fucking know. Um, I have shit friends. <laughs> uh, and the guy said, Ellison said that when he when they showed the movie, it was Gone with the Wind, and then a boy and his dog, and the way that lineup looks is like two Disney films, like a yeah. boy and his dog. Like it sounds like a kids movie. Gone with the wind. This grandma took her grandson to see the movie, A Boy and His Dog. And she wrote him a letter like, this is fucking disgusting. How could you do this? And he's like, it's an R-rated film. Yeah. And I love that the director... Don't fucking see it. Yeah. And the director always calls it a picture. Like, it's so fucking, like, old Hollywood. Like, oh, we're gonna go see a picture. Um, It's an R-rated picture, see? A science fiction... At a science fiction convention, there was a pre-release screening of the films at the end the head the when the writer harlan ellison came on stage and and invited comments most of the common ones uh was the 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 point of the movie taking place in the underground was really slow moving a polite way of saying boring ellison was very defensive about it and respond that the that responded to the effect that the underground was boring status was a boring saltifying place and the movie was intended to convey that the audience did not find that to be a satisfying answer According to Cult Movies 2, a sequel was planned called A Girl and His Dog, but the dog died shortly after. Which I think would be an interesting take to see, like, maybe the dog, because he has the ability to talk, um, like, he says, he says in there, he goes, don't give me that shit about you not being able to hunt because you lost the ability to, when you gain the ability to talk. So maybe he has a longer life because of that ability. Yeah. I, I would love to know more about the character of Blood. Yeah. Um, the the keyboardist from The Doors was a musician on this movie. Wow, really? And here here's a great one, yeah. One of many post-apocalyptic movies to heavily influence the critically acclaimed video game series Fallout, which began with Fallout, a post-nuclear role-playing game in 1997. A recurring event throughout the series is to have a canine companion... How did we forget about this? A canine companion named Dogmeat, which is what Vic called blood as an insult. Also, Mm -hmm. underground civilizations are are extent... Are to an extent within the Fallout... Oh, I'm sorry. Are... Also, underground civilizations are existent within the Fallout series as they are in the film in a form of what are what they call vaults. Vaults have since become a prime selling point in the Fallout series. This one, I, I they, they talk about this on the DVD, on the Blu-ray. 
After about 600 auditions, Tim McIntyre, who is also the film's composer, landed the voice of blood. And at the end, when they do a, the boy and his dog song, that's him as well. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. James Cagney was considered to be the voice of blood, but the idea was dropped because Cagney's fame would have taken away from the character. Huh. Yeah. The yeah. wasteland that Blood and Vic inhabit is supposed to be the devastated ruins of Phoenix, Arizona. This might be a yeah, sly rumor. That, that was in that was mentioned. Was it? I, I remember that. I don't remember that. Yeah, I remember wow. it being on like one of the like radio broadcasts in the beginning. Really? I think so. Yeah. Well, uh, this might be kind of a um, a sly bit of humor at the survivor have risen from the ashes like the phoenix. Ah, uh, that's fun. When Vic when Vic first spots Quilla June, Quilla June at the makeshift movie theater, wedding music is heard playing from the film projector. I noticed that, but I thought I was he- like I was hearing it wrong. Really, I never yeah, even noticed. Yeah, I did notice that, and I was like, "Huh? Wow! This film is the inspiration behind George Miller's Australian dystopian action film franchise, Mad Max. Without this, we don't have Mad Max, and that's arguably we also probably don't have Fallout. Exactly, like, <laughs> like, and and Mad Max was a huge inspirational piece for Fallout." Wow. Yeah. The trailer was it done... Really in each- just, it really just started a, an entire genre. No, it really did. Like, the, and, and apocalyptic fiction is my favorite. I love the idea of everything sucks, but, like, the world that we live in now sucks, but does it suck compared to this? Where rape is currency? <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, like, at least rape isn't currency in our world. Yeah. Um, the trailer, which I, I, I do it for the movie reviews. I'll put the trailer when we first start talking about it. I'll put the trailer up. So you probably have already seen the trailer without sound if you're watching. And then there will be a poster or some characters or some art or something I can find. When uh, we reviewed them, which I think comes out before this one, it was the trailer and then a movie poster. This I'm not quite sure. I'm not editing yet, so I don't know. But the trailer was done in the exact same style as the trailer for stanley kubrick's a clockwork orange which i don't know if yeah. that's that's kind of a dystopian movie we we could review it i'm not opposed to it i'm not opposed to that either actually have you seen clockwork orange i don't really remember it i'm not sure if i've seen it i know like the story it of it ultra violence yeah i know like the story of it but like i can't recall like sitting down and enjoying like a movie you know really like the inspire the experience of like watching I think it's just because it's like so famous and like like it's a pop culture, like it's a cult classic. Yeah. That I like I it's like in my my knowledge base, but I haven't I don't think I've You know a, a billion references to it without even knowing that they're references to it. Probably, yeah. Um and that's something that I wanted to bring up that I really, really like about this is the same way that like what I like about hip hop is that I'm watching these older movies and I'm seeing these references to things that I enjoy now. And it's like when you listen to like some old soul records and like all of a sudden you hear like some drums or a groove and it's like, oh, that's in that Wu-Tang song or that's in that A Tribe Called Quest song or like, oh, this was the baseline for that When you can hear Biggie like song. samples and stuff. Yeah. And that's what I love about this is you'll see certain things or you'll hear a line about something and you'll be like, oh, that's, that's where Fallout got this from. 
Like that's what that reference is about. Like that's and what that's this how is I felt here. about this like entire movie. That's what I love. Is about that like movie. I love yeah. this fucking. See, my thing is, if I wasn't a fan of the Fallout series, would I be a fan of this movie? It's a good I question. Know. I mean, I feel like you like Apocalypse at Large. Yes, I like depressing shit. Mm-hmm. I think <laughs> Apocalypse at Large would be a great name for this podcast if it weren't Atomic Radio Hour. The Apocalypse at Large. Mm-hmm. Apocalypse is a very hard word to spell. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I do agree with you. Um, Apocalypse at Large. Maybe we should start a second show. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> this I don't know if this is found anywhere, but this is on the IMDb, and it, and this is this is the level of detail that I enjoy. Vic is a Caucasian male who was born in 2006. His hair color is dirty blonde. His eyes are blue green. His height is five ten. His shoe size is ten. Why do we need to know all that? Because when you're writing a character, you gotta flesh it all out. I don't usually get deep enough to know their shoe size. I don't know. I love this movie. What would you rate this movie, my friend? Um, I I don't know. I I, re- I did really like it. I want to say like like an eight out of ten uh, uh solos. <laughs> I was gonna give it eight point eight Michaels out of ten. Okay. Yeah. 8.8 sperm containers out of 10. (laughs) (laughs) One out of one dead dog. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Also, I forgot to mention this before. They were marrying them. They were going to give them 35 different sperm vials and then kill Vic. Yeah. So, like, do your job and get out. (laughs) Uh, I think that's everything I want to say about this movie. I fucking love this movie. Go watch I, I liked this movie a lot. I'm leaving it with the front. Oh, that's the one thing I had to say. I can't get out of this without saying this. My great-grandmother loved Don Johnson so much. She, he was on Miami Vice, right? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where people know Don Johnson from. And she loved that show so much that when I, when I bought this movie... I was, I was on the phone with my mom about it, and I was like, oh, I bought a bunch of movies. She's like, oh, what'd you get? I go, this movie and that movie and this movie. I go, it's got Don Johnson. She was your grandmother. Your great-grandmother loved him so much, and I think she might have met him. Wow. And she might have met him because she was friends with somebody. And if you've ever seen Miami Vice, the whole thing was the white Ferrari, the 1980-something mm-hmm. Ferrari. And uh, it was brand new. It was white. And she had a friend that owned a Ferrari, a white Ferrari, and they rented it from her for the show. Really? So I think my grandma might have met Don Johnson, but she and the only thing I know Don Johnson from other than Miami Vice, which I don't really know, is in Django when they go to the first uh plantation, it's big he plays Big Daddy. It's Big Daddy's plantation, and the only thing I know is the slave woman taking Django for a walk and before that he goes he goes, how come, J-? he goes, how come that, that, I'm not going to say what he says, because it's a fucking, it's a racial slur, but he goes, how come that man, he wouldn't even call him a man, he goes, how come that guy's on a horse? And he goes, oh, no, 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 this is my, this is Django, he's my associate, and he's like, he's your property? And he goes, no, no, we work together, he goes, I don't know if I like him being on that horse. <laughs> and he's, he convinces him that, like, treat Django with respect, and there's a point where he goes, he goes, and this is this is Dr. King Schultz's uh, his associate, Django. 
He goes, and you're to treat him with respect. And the guy goes, you want me to treat him like white folk? Goes, I didn't say that. <laughs> Django's a fucking great movie. Go see Django if you haven't seen Django. I haven't seen uh, Django. I, I will find an excuse to review Django on this show because I fucking love that movie. Um, and then there's the scene with the with the KKK and Don Johnson, which is a fucking an amazing scene. If you've never seen this movie, none of this makes sense to you, and I apologize. Um, but that's all I know Don Johnson from. And then I know him from this now. And I love this movie. This movie's great. Bop it a bop, skip it a boop, pop it a cream. We've been recording for a very long time. The intro music is not done by Shane Ivers, but you should give Shane Ivers a look-see just because we're a big fan of Mr. Silverman and his sounds. But Olive, can't they follow us on social media? Yes, they can. They can find us on Twitter. You can find us at Atomic Radio Hour, or you can find uh, Vince and I on our personal pages. Those are linked in the description below. Um, Other than that, you can find us on Redbubble. You can get some stuff. You can get, like, a hoodie or like a shirt or like a shower curtain or a clock maybe a travel mug with like our not our faces but our logos and stuff on them yes and uh we'd also really appreciate if you could join our discord for one it's it's a fucking time and a half uh but if you really really like the show outside of Redbubble, where you can buy a t-shirt and some merch you can also check out our patreon uh there's some people that we have to thank and if you're gonna hear your name now and you're not a part of it anymore or if you should hear your name we apologize you're still very much loved and appreciated it's just we film these so far ahead in the future that so much can change and it might change um but there are some people that we do have to thank right now olive we need to start with the OG Noah. Noah, thank you, my good man. Thank you for being here, Noah. Next up is Gage, but twice. Thank you, Gage. Gage, uh, he gives us a couple bucks on Patreon, and he also supplies our Discord with Nitro so we can stream, which is another reason that you should jump in. Next up is Jordan with a Y. Jordan with a Y, thank you. We also have Danny. Danny, thank you. And last but certainly not least, Marcus. Thank you, Marcus. Um, that's another one for the books. This is a it great is. movie. It's a, it is a great movie. Guys, go watch it. Call. You know, I always say call your grandma. Just bye. See ya. Bye. See ya. Atomic Radio Hour Podcast.